So we come to the last um, of our studies in Philippians this morning, the journey of joy, and uh, it's chapter 4 and verses 14 to the end of the book. So I think that'll be on the screen. I'd like you to stand if you would and able uh, in honor of God's word. From verse 14 in chapter 4. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greetings and all, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are here with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Be seated, please. Now, as I uh, begin this morning, I want you to ponder two words, just, just briefly, just ponder these words, and uh, what you think they refer to. One of them is the word needs. What are your needs? Think about that. And the other word is wants. <coughs> what would you really like? What are your wants? Now, I'm not going to ask you to share them with the person sitting next to you, so no anxiety there. But how, what are your needs and what are your wants? Just think about those. I'll give you 15 seconds, maybe. Now, why am I asking you this this morning? Well, there is a reason. Um, yesterday morning, um, I was watching the early morning news, I was up early, and it was, one of the announcements was that in California, the Mega Millions uh, lottery had been won, and it was a record-breaking amount, 543 million had been won. It was one ticket. It turned out there were 11 people who had the ticket, it was a pool, uh, they were, worked in the bank, um, I think it was Wells Fargo Bank in um, San Jose. But there you go, they, had, they were getting about $29 million. So I asked myself the question, okay, what would I do if I had the ticket by myself and got $543 million? I wouldn't be worrying too much about my needs of housing and clothing and food and caring for my family, what would I do with $543 million? 
You think about that for a moment. What would you do with $543 million? This is a stream of consciousness moment. Just let the thoughts flow. <laughs> Just let the thoughts flow. Well, the very first thing I thought of, we'll be able to fly first class now. <laughs> Those long plane rides down to New Zealand, 13 and a half hours non-stop. Billy Joe and I can go first class, not jammed in the back with everybody else. And the other thing, another thing I thought of, hmm, I'll be able to buy a house in Malibu, California and live amongst the celebrities. <laughs> and then a wave of guilt came over me. This is ridiculous. You're a Christian man, you're a follower of Jesus. And then I thought, well, I'd, put, I'd, I'd form a trust and I'd be able to give lots of the money away. Well, I was thinking that something else popped into my mind, and this is a little segue. I was brought up Baptist, as many of you know. I was, in fact, ordained Baptist and served several Baptist churches, both in my homeland, New Zealand, and here in the United States. And, but my upbringing was very conservative. I, I think of my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. She um, would not pull weeds out of the garden on Sundays because that was working on the Lord's Day. And there are a lot of restrictions, uh, as they say in the South, one of the sayings, um, I don't smoke and I don't chew, and I won't go out with girls that do. So, <laughs> anyway, you would, it was sort of a slippery slope theology. <coughs> you don't do certain things because they lead to terrible things. Um, you don't use bad language because it might become very commonplace in your speech. Uh, you don't um, uh, have lustful thoughts of before long you'll be raging with lust. You, you, you don't buy raffle tickets because the next thing you'll be addicted to gambling. Slippery slope theology. Any rate, jumping into uh, more recent years, when I was pastoring in Southern California, uh, there, were, there was a family, they were a Catholic family, they lived near us and they had two sweet little girls and I had two boys. Not necessarily sweet all the time, but two boys. And they loved to play with these little girls and these little girls were darling little girls. I always wanted two sweet little girls. But I had two boys who wrestled from day one. And uh, at any rate, but God in his kindly providence allowed me to have two very sweet granddaughters. So I feel good about that. But at any rate, uh, getting back to the story, I was out mowing the lawn, probably a Saturday afternoon, and these two little girls ran up to me. Mr. Barker, Mr. Barker, will you buy a raffle ticket for our school? They went to St. Anthony's parochial school. Won't you buy a raffle ticket? Two sweet little girls. I said, sure. So I had a couple of dollars in my pocket, and I bought the ticket, a couple of tickets. And the prize was a side of beef, which is pretty massive. And there was a, too, too much for your freezers. <laughs> At any rate, there was a butcher who had said they could use his meat locker, the other one, to uh, keep the beef there as they used it. So, at any rate, forgot all about the tickets, totally. 
Three weeks later, somebody was on the phone and said, well, you won. <laughs> won? What did I win? You won the St. Anthony's raffle. Do you know what the first thing that went through my mind was? Oh, I said it to, it, to the fellow. Is it going to be announced in the paper? <laughs> he said, of course it is. So that Sunday, well, it was the next day was a Sunday, we got to church, they have a Sunday night service, and I remember saying, I did this, I said, your pastor has something he wants to confess to you. And their faces, and many of them, drained of color, but they wondered what was coming. And I explained it to them. And I said, I don't know whether to say, be sure your sins will find you out, or God has provided, I'm not sure. <laughs> and somebody, uh, a joker from the back, called out, Pastor, just have us, have us around for barbecues of the best steaks and you'll be forgiven. <laughs> well, anyway, on the more serious things. But that's my one experience of uh, buying raffle tickets. Well, we come to our passage for today. And um, it, it's a wonderful passage and it's the one that closes out our studies on this journey of joy. Uh, the pastor has mostly been preaching on it, and others of us have shared in it as well, but this journey of joy, and we, we come today to the ending of it, and of course it deals there, and you might have noticed in the reading, he refers to the Philippians' gift to him, and he takes the opportunity to turn it into a teaching moment about giving. Now, um, I think David last Sunday talked about it. It's rather strange his response to this generous congregation who had sent him a gift. He was in prison in Rome and the families and so on that would take care of their, any who were in prison, their family members. And of course his church family provided the Philippians. Now, um, you said something about it's a thankless thank. Isn't that, are they your words? Thankless thank? Your quoted words. Well, I'm quoting you now then. So it's very strange. He doesn't actually thank them. It's as if he's almost chastising them. And commentators interpret it in various ways. But I actually think he used it as a teaching moment. He taught about giving. And the lesson here is, if you give to the Lord, if you give to the Lord's work, you will be blessed in return. Now the key verse in the passage here is verse 17. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. It indicates that if we invest in the Lord's work, there is profit for us. There is a return that comes to us. Benefits, dividends for investing in the Lord's work. Now, I, I know some of you here this morning might be thinking, uh-oh, does pastor believe in... Um, these blessings coming to us, prosperity theology. Does pastor believe in prosperity theology? Well, I do in a sense in that I do believe that someone who comes to Jesus Christ and becomes a faithful disciple will often get a social lift. You know, they become more responsible with their, with their money and their outlook on life and their social situation is lifted. But I don't believe in prosperity theology as it's taught by many TV evangelists. You know, give... God $100, and he will give you $1,000 in return. Or 
if you want a Mercedes, name it and claim it. Um, you know how that goes. Blab it and grab it, I think is another way. It can be yours. But I, I, that's not what I believe. But I do believe here that the scriptures very clearly teach in this passage that blessings will come to you if you invest in the Lord's work. In the life of your church, in its outreach, blessings will come your way. Now what are the dividends that Paul is speaking about, the credit to our account that comes our way as we give to the Lord's work? Well, the first one is this. There is the dividend of knowing partnership in the work of Christ. That's the very first dividend that comes our way. Partnership in the work of Jesus Christ. And the verses here are, uh, the verse here is, um, I'm going to get this up here so I can read it better. Verses 14 and 15 that we just read from the passage here. 14 and 15. Back on the previous page. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. To share. Now the word partnership can go there. He was saying to the Philippians, it is good for you to partner in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving receiving except you only. Now, if we looked back to the very beginning of the book, verses uh, in chapter 1, verses 3 onward, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So if we invest in the Lord's work, we have the joy of knowing that we're working in partnership in the work of Jesus Christ, sharing, partnering in the ministry. Now, there is a quotation I want to read to you, and I believe it's going to come up on the screen, from a commentator named Leslie Cook, and I thought it was very helpful. You can track it there. To Paul, the gift was a personal source of strength, a gift the Philippians gave him, and comfort, a help to him in his ministry. The gift is a sign that they have entered into partnership with him, sharing in a real sense his burden, entering into his sufferings, and holding his hands in the work of the Lord. The Lord gave shares with him in his ministry. Now I want you to think about that. One of the dividends when we give to the Lord's work is the dividend of knowing partnership in the work of Christ. Think of it in our own church here. You support the staff who endeavor to do the Lord's work both in this congregation and in the world. Uh, the children's outreach from our church, the youth work, the other ministries of our church. You are in partnership with the Lord's work through the ministries of your, of your church. And then, too, I want to think of the, you to think of the missions and, and the work of the deacons. Now, in our church budget, if you're not aware of this, there are actually three um, aspects to it. The first, the first one is the core staff, uh, the core budget, which is undergirds the, the staff and all the ministries and outreach of this church. 
the missions, which is cross-cultural, generally speaking, but there are some home mission aspects to it too, is actually a separate budget. And the deacons, who are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, who are the serving community in our church, that is a separate budget as well. So you, you can designate um, like missions and deacons separately if you wish. They are dependent on separate gifts. But if you support the missions, think of the countries that are touched. Think of the uh, places that the gospel goes, that the work of Christ goes because you have given to it. I keep the cards that, um, that are given out here on Sundays with the missions, and there's a, uh, just a lot of them. And then I picked this up at the um, Connection Center, which tells about all the mission outreaches of, of this church. And uh, it's amazing. This may be even a little dated. There may be more. Uh, and I just thought I'd mention some of them. Local missions. The Genesis Project, Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. Kenneth pregnancy, pregnancy and family services. And then the, uh, those cross-cultural missionaries have gone to other countries. Think of the, I think of the countries that are represented. Peru, um, Mexico, Mexico City in particular, Nepal, parts of Africa, uh, Papua New Guinea, the uh, Muslim world in the Middle East, and, uh, and other places, Nicaragua, corner of love and so on. So when you give monies to the uh, work of missions, uh, you are partnering with those that our church is either sent from the church or are supporting from this church. You are partnering with them. You may not go to these countries, but they are there and they are representatives of Jesus Christ and we partner with them. And that's a wonderful dividend to know. You see, the gospel is going to places that we cannot go to. Uh, people are being served that we cannot serve. Lives are being touched in all sorts of ways, both here and overseas, because we are partners. When we give to the work of Jesus Christ, we are partners. And you think of the deacons, the helping hands of Jesus, within the church and within the community. They are representing the church of Jesus Christ, hands and feet of Jesus. And when we give to the work of deacons, then we are sharing with them in the outreach of the gospel. So that's a dividend. We're, we're, it's a wonderful thing to know that we're touching lives through the monies we give around the world and around us. Think of that as a dividend. That's a blessing that you receive. Something you know when you think about what you give to the work of Jesus Christ. Now secondly, there is the dividend of knowing our giving is an expression of our love for Christ. And uh, that is verse 18. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you have sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Knowing that our giving is an expression of our love for Jesus Christ. Now, perhaps I should say, our giving should be an expression of our love for Jesus Christ. 
Because when you look at some of the Old Testament verses about the children of Israel uh, bringing your offerings and sacrifices to the Lord, were they an expression of their love for Yahweh? Well, they should have been, but they weren't. And uh, Amos 5.21, which is going to come up on the screen, indicates that through the prophet that it wasn't always the case. The prophet says to Israel, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. So as we give, it should be uh, an illustration or, or symbolic of our love and devotion to Jesus Christ. Our giving is an expression of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you older folks here may recall a hymn which has lyrics, Take my life and let it be. To paraphrase that slightly, some people say, um, Take my money and let me be. <laughs> but that's not what giving is all about, is it? <laughs> Take my wife and let me be. <laughs> go anywhere with that, couldn't we? <laughs> that is not pleasing to our Heavenly Father, that kind of giving. It should be a reflection of our love and, uh, and devotion to Jesus Christ, uh, not a way of avoiding that love and devotion. And uh, it says that it always gives pleasure to God when it is a true reflection of our devotion to Christ. And this imagery is taken from the temple with the uh, sweet-smelling uh, offering, the, the sacrifice, the, the smoke arising, the aroma arising. Now, that's not saying that God has a sense of smell, but it, it, it is saying that uh, it's pleasing to God. It's being offered to God, and uh, he is pleased with what he sees. So that's one, one thing we need to remember. Our giving is an expression of our love for Christ. And then lastly, the third one. I, must, I have to say something about it this morning. Uh, I, I would say at least six people said to me this morning, Pastor, is it three points? <laughs> I said, yes, it is. They said, oh, good, we can relax now. So, <laughs> that's an inside joke if you haven't heard it. But it never dies. And I, do, I do have three this morning. But, you know, three-point sermons, they're, they're very biblical. They're very Trinitarian. Serious things. Here's the third one. Uh, the dividend we get is the dividend of knowing the generosity of God. And uh, that is verse 19. Verse 19, the generosity of God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God will meet all our needs. That's the promise here. Uh, the dividend. There is the dividend of knowing the generosity of God. Not necessarily our wants, but hey, sometimes he does give us our wants. <clears throat> the Lord gives us occasionally, as the psalmist said, the desires of our heart. He's not stingy. He will provide our needs, but he can go beyond that on occasion and give us our wants as well. Well, in this case, for the Philippians, their needs were physical. Uh, not, they, there's physical needs are supplied, <laughs> material needs can be supplied, but spiritual ones as well. 
and theirs was spiritual. They needed courage. They needed the forgiving love of Jesus Christ to unify them. And they need power, the power of the Spirit to affect the gospel. Those were their needs. And the Lord gave them to them. Because they had given. God could put in. You see, uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We receive more mercy when we're merciful. Um, when we are open and generous to the Lord and to His work, He pours generosity to us, into us in a very special way. There is a dividend of knowing the generosity of God. Now, those are the three things. They are the dividends. This is not prosperity teaching, but it's the things that God gives to us. Uh, he gives to us the sense of partnership in the work of the gospel. He gives give to us that expression of our love for Christ. It, it, it pleases him when we give generously. And he is generous to us in return. Now N.T. Wright says that this epistle ends, and this is the closing uh, verses here, it ends in, a, in, in greetings, grace, and glory. And if you look at those very last um, words there, greeting to, uh, to, um, greetings, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus, the brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Well, that's sort of the White House of the day. <laughs> and he's saying there are believers there. And through my witness and uh, missionary endeavors, they've been touched. I may be in prison, but I've been able to reach right into, through God and His grace, into the household of Caesar. I don't think it was the imperial family necessarily, but it was maybe those servants who served there. And partnership with that, isn't that amazing? And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with you. And he says, to God our Father be glory forever and ever. So there we are, the journey of joy. And we, we, we end today with the joy of giving. Now, I want to say to you this morning, you are a generous church, a wonderfully generous church. I'm amazed at the giving of this congregation. And it is to be a joyful thing. And it can be a joyful thing. And I sense that joyfulness with you. And as you give generously, God pours generously into us. And he works out through our endeavors as we partner with him to touch many lives with the gospel. So give joyfully. Continue to give generously. And to God and to our Lord Jesus Christ be glory forevermore. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Oh, Holy Lord, thank you for the teachings of this wonderful epistle. We have joy in, in your peace, uh, in your pardon. Uh, we have peace in your provision you provide for us. And thank you for filling us with your power. Continue to work through us. Release giving in our midst that greater things will be done in this Jerusalem of ours, beyond its Samaria, and indeed to the uttermost parts of the earth, and we'll give you all the praise and glory. Hallelujah and amen.